Happy New Year. It's, it was a great weekend. It was a great holiday season. I trust that uh, you enjoyed time with friends and family. And now, uh, I, some people have said, like, after holidays, you get in just the grind of winter. How many of you know it's not a grind when Jesus is with you? Yeah. Every day is exciting. Every day is, is, is filled with stuff that he wants to do in our lives. And welcome to 2019. And as I was thinking about this year, just like that, 1999 was 20 years ago. Two decades since we partied like it was 1999. Come on. Uh, time flies. I don't know what happens, but a lot has changed in the last 20 years. You, you may be in a different marital status than you were 20 years ago. You may have a different number of kids now than you did then. You might not have even been born in 1999. How many, how many under, uh, under 20s in the room we got? Anybody? Uh, Cooper's up there not paying attention to me, but he would raise his hand. There, there's so many things that have changed. You may have more or less money than you did 20 years ago. How about, how about this stat? If you would have put away $83 a month, come on, that's, that's less than most of us spend on our cell phone or our cable bill, right? If you would have put away $83 a month starting in 1999, just shoved it in your mattress, you'd have $20,000 saved there today. Isn't that amazing? It seems so small, but it's those things that they just add up and they build over time. If you did nothing but shove it in the mattress, you'd have 20 grand that you'd be sleeping on. It'd be kind of lumpy. You probably would need a new mattress by now. But 20 years have passed and a lot has changed. You might have 20 years worth of unkept resolutions. Anybody in that boat? We keep, we keep losing the same weight every year. How, do, how does that work? We, we lose it, and then we make a resolution to lose it, and we gain it during the year, and then we lose it again. You might have 20 years' worth of unkept resolutions, but I want to tell you this. The best resolution that you could ever make, the best New Year's resolution you could make, is to continue to let God work in your life this year. I know that the one who started a good work in you will bring it to its completion. And of all the things that we could try to accomplish in our own strength, all the resolutions we can make, they don't add up to much compared to saying just, Jesus, keep doing what you're doing in my life. How's, is that a New Year's resolution we could all embrace in this room? God, we're going to say we, we resolve right now to let you keep working in us. And if we do that, it's amazing the other things that will fall in line in our lives and the things that will happen that we wanted to happen anyway, but the moment we just say, Jesus, keep doing what you want to do in me, everything else seems to take care of itself. So make that resolution with me this year. God, continue to work in our life. And I want to tell you, in 20 years, there are some things that haven't changed at all. Jesus is still Lord. He, he is still on his throne. The gospel is still for everyone. His love is still for everyone. He is still actively building his church and his kingdom is still expanding. There are some things that haven't changed in 20 years. And we are a part of what he is building in the earth today. And one of the ways that he builds his church is he continues to speak to us. How many of you know God still speaks today? If, if, if you don't think he speaks, then we've got problems because you might think he's dead or something. That's the only people I know that don't talk are dead people. Come on. And he is alive, which means he still speaks to us. He speaks to us individually, and he speaks to us corporately as a church. And that's one of the things I'm going to encourage you. Ask God what he's speaking to you this year. Ask him for a word. Say, Lord, give me something for 2019. And you know what? He will speak to you if you ask him. I, I've, he is faithful to come and to say what needs to be said. And if we ask him, Lord, give us a word for our lives this year, he'll give you one. 
And then what I'd like you to do is how can I use that word to be a part of what God's doing corporately here at New Life? Am I allowed to share your word? Or is that just for you? Pam, Pam's word. Pam and I prayed about this. I haven't even told you my word yet. Ugh, I should have done that before right now at this very moment. What a bad husband. Um, Pam's word for this year is blossom. She, she distinctly heard God say that to her. Whatever that means, we're going to find out that she's going to blossom in the gifts that she has and the things that she's doing. Uh, the, the word I heard from myself was present. And what that meant to me is not, I'm going to get all kinds of presents, although... That would be a great word for 2019. If you would like to make that version of the word happen, I will be a good receiver. But uh, present for me means being present when I'm not with people. And I'll tell you how that works in my mind. I, I'm, found that I'm pretty good at being present with people when I'm face-to-face with them. But if I'm not with them, sometimes out of sight, out of mind. You guys know what I mean by that? It's like if they're not right actively in front of me, it it falls off my radar. And God's encouraging me this year to be present with people even when I'm not with them. And that means just starting with my own family. (laughs) Come on, being more mindful of of who I'm with and and the people that are important to me and being present in their lives. So those are are what I say, ask God for a word this year. That's a couple examples of what I mean by pray and ask God to speak something to you. And I've been praying about it, what he wants to speak to New Life Fellowship corporately this year. How many of you know that God gives individuals word, but he also speaks corporately to us as a body? And uh, as I was praying about it this year, uh, the word that I felt God spoke for New Life Fellowship for 2019 is the word everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone. That's kind of cool. Everyone say everyone. Yeah. Everyone is what God is speaking to our church for 2019. And uh, I'm going to unpack that a little bit today, and I'm going to tell you more about it uh, as we tie into some different series over the course of the year. But God wants us all to be involved, and we all matter. And uh, as we were uh, talking yesterday, Pam said she was downtown, and she saw a plaque commemorating World War II. And the very first line that was written on this plaque to commemorate World War II, it said, winning the war required contributions from everyone. How many of you know we're in a war? We're not in a war with people. We're not in a war with the culture. Come on. We are in a war with the forces of the devil that are arrayed against us, trying to keep people in their unbelief, trying to keep them bound in their sin. There is a very real battle going on that the ultimate victory has already been won. And we are moving in to clean up and to enforce the victory that Jesus won on the cross. But there is a war that's still going on today. And the way that World War II was won was everyone did their part. Everyone contributed. That, that means they did things that stretched themselves. They gave in ways. They, they served in ways that they weren't used to because they realized they were part of something bigger than themselves. And it's very similar to what we do as Christians. We are part of something bigger than just ourselves. And we need to stretch ourselves sometimes because there is a battle going on and to do things that will help enforce that victory that we might not do if it was just us in our house by ourselves. So everyone, we are what we are at New Life Fellowship because of each person in this room. Don't don't ever for a second believe the lie of the enemy that you don't matter at New Life Fellowship. That, that is just lies and head games from the devil. Yeah. Everyone in this room is part of making new life who new life is. 
We all have a part to contribute. We all have value and worth no matter what you look like, where you're from, what you've done in the past. You matter to Jesus and you matter here at New Life and you make up who we are. Everyone has a part to play to fully realize what God wants New Life to be this coming year. So uh, I saw this quote this week from Bob Goff. He said, God intended us to travel through life as a community. Think bus, not unicycle. (laughs) How many of you have ever met people like that? It's like they might as well be on their unicycle because there's no room for anybody else in their life. They're just riding along, doing their own thing, mind their own business, looking out for number one. And that's not how God intended us to go through life. It's more of a bus than a unicycle. There is room for others on the journey that we're on. There is room, there is, come on, there are plenty of seats in this room for other people. You're, you're not going to come in on a Sunday morning in New Life Fellowship and it'd be like Forrest Gump. Seats taken. How many of you remember that movie? How many of you had that traumatic experience as a kid on the bus? You're, you're looking for a seat on the bus and the kids are all like, seats taken. Come on, there is a seat for everyone here at this table. And that's part of what we mean when we say everyone. So I wanted to give you a few thoughts on what everyone means to New Life Fellowship this year. And the first thought I had is really a mindset that we need to get in, uh, more than an action we need to do. But the mindset is this, everyone is a minister. Everybody say that with me. Everyone is a minister. Now, you may not have a title. You may not have a business card. You may not earn money for actively doing something for Jesus, okay? But... You are in full-time ministry. Come on, the moment you got saved, you were in the ministry. And that we need to come to that. That's a mindset we need to get to, that I have something to offer no matter where I go because Jesus lives in me. How many of you know there are situations and circumstances that are in desperate need of Jesus, and when you walk into the middle of them, you have arrived to minister something that matters. God is in the business of changing people's lives, and he does this often by sending us into the middle of those circumstances and situations. I think too many places worry about giving everybody a title, and the ministry gets neglected. How many of you have ever experienced that somewhere? And that's, here at New Life, we're not real big on titles. If, if you were coming to our church thinking, hey, what, what title am I going to aspire to? What are you going to give me that everybody else can call me? You're probably not going to get that here. But you are going to get room and space to minister and to do what Jesus has called you to do and to love people and to serve people. That's ultimately more important than what people call you. Oh, can I share one story? (laughs) So there was a guy that came to the church for a little while, years ago. And uh, I'm not going to name names, although Mr. Mack remembers who he was. (laughs) Because... This guy said, hey, I want to get involved, and uh, was over in the West End, and, and Steve took him out to help deliver groceries a few times. We, we have a food pantry in West End, and one of the things that's unique about our food pantry is once a month we deliver to people. If they're shut-ins or elderly, we take them groceries. It's amazing how happy people are to see you when you're bringing them food. If, if you just go random cold calling, they think you're the Jehovah's Witness or something, they, you ring the doorbell, they slam the door in your face, you show up with food, the door opens, they smile at you, come on in, see us. So anyway, Steve's taking this guy to deliver groceries, what, probably like three times only or something. It wasn't a super long time, but this guy was going with Steve and delivering the groceries and praying for people. Well, one day, I get a call from one of my pastor friends, and he says, are you all right? Everything okay at the church? 
And I'm, I'm thinking, what's, what does he know that I don't know? This is bad. He, he says, I was watching the 12 o'clock news, the, the noon news on Channel 4 or something. And he says, I saw this guy get arrested downtown, and it said on the screen, minister at New Life Fellowship. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. I'll look into it. So here, it was this guy that had gone to deliver groceries, like a total of three times. And he literally went insane. I don't know another way to put it, but he drove his car through a construction barrier downtown by the point, and he gets out, and how many of you know where the McDonald's is, right downtown where, where you go, drive into town? He runs into the McDonald's and starts throwing money in the air and telling people, I'm here to cast the demons out of this place. That was not his mission from God, and that was not being a representative of New Life Fellowship. Yet when they arrested him, he tells the police, I'm a minister at New Life Fellowship. (laughs) We got it straightened out. By the 6 o'clock news, we were out of the story. But it was a very tense moment. And here, so what, what I'm saying is every one of us is a minister when we're doing the ministry that Jesus wants us to do. If, if you are doing crazy things, if you're doing illegal things, don't go around telling people, I'm a minister at New Life Fellowship. That's my commercial for us this morning. As long as you're not doing those things, you are a minister. You have been sent into dark places, not, not to go crazy and throw money and say, I'm here to cast demons out, but you may be there to cast demons out or take authority over the darkness in that place to proclaim life and to proclaim liberty to people. There is a reason that you are part of us and have been sent out into the places you've been sent into because you are a minister. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're a minister. All right, there's still some people in this place that might not believe that. So we'll read a verse. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody in this room has been given a ministry. Everybody in this room has been called. And it's, it's not just the things that we do on Sunday morning. It's not just the things that we say. If you read the Amplified translation of that, it says the ministry of reconciliation. It literally says, it says, by word and deed, that we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It's not about just preaching a message. It's about the life we live and the things that we say and how we interact with people. And when we do them well, when we represent Jesus well, we bring harmony, we bring peace into their lives, we help people who are living lives that are far from God come to know him and be reconciled in the most important relationship they could ever have. I I know there's people in this room, you know people that their marriages are falling apart, they're estranged from their family, but you know what? The most important relationship that they need to have reconciled first is their relationship with the Father. And it only comes through knowing Jesus and getting back into that family that he has for us. There, some translations actually give the connotation in that verse that we are to be menders of relationships. How's that for a job description to live up to? To go into places to bring peace and reconciliation to people. Everybody is a minister. And we have, no one in this room is left out of that calling. Everything that we do in our day-to-day lives is part of this ministry that he's given us to be ministers of reconciliation. It's not just preaching at people. Sometimes I think we read a verse like that and we think, well, Paul was writing that to somebody else 
or he doesn't know what I've done, or, or what I don't know. How many of you have ever felt like that? I'm disqualified from the ministry because of what I've said or done, what I know or what I don't know, where I'm from, where I've gone to school. There are all kinds of things. In fact, I will tell you, we are probably the best people in the world at disqualifying ourselves. How many of you have ever experienced that? We, we look in the mirror and we find all kinds of reasons why we can't why we shouldn't, why we won't. We're the first ones to disqualify ourselves, and we need to change our mindset. We need to, come on, repent. If we don't believe that Jesus has called us to ministry and qualified us to represent him, then we need to change our thinking and come into agreement with what he says in his word. Because he says every one of us has been given a ministry. If we, if we disqualify ourselves, that's, that's actually unbelief and a lack of faith because we're not being in agreement with the Word of God. Oh, that's a good point, Pastor Chris. Here's, here's another verse for you. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, He has enabled us, or some of your translations may actually say, He has qualified us. He has enabled us to be ministers of His new covenant. There, there was a time under the law, under the old covenant, that there were only certain people who could be ministers. Come on. You, you read through scripture and God under the law, he had laid out only the Levites. You had to be related to a certain person. Only, only the men of the family. Only certain people at certain times could walk into the temple and offer sacrifices. There were only a few people that could actually be ministers. And then Jesus comes along and says, hey, the old covenant is being nailed to the cross. And the new covenant is making everybody qualified to be a minister. Isn't that amazing? He he took it from being a place of, now it it doesn't matter who you're related to, where you were born, what side of the tracks you were born on, right? Come on, there there are things in this world that people look down on that Jesus says, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've come from, I'm going to let you into this ministry. In fact, I think sometimes he uses the most unexpected people that the world would say, oh, you're not good for anything, and that's just the person that Jesus would use to accomplish his will. What an amazing God that he not only called us and gave us a ministry, but he enabled us to do it. He is the ultimate model of efficiency. I'm not just going to call you and then let you figure out. I'm actually going to equip you and enable you to go do what I've called you to do. The moment you believed, you had the ability to share with somebody else what God had done in your life. Come on. We do this in churches sometimes, and there are things at New Life Fellowship that we, we need to know. Like if you want to work with our kids, we've got to know you. You've got to have background checks. You have to be around a while. But there is an aspect of ministry, of telling people about the gospel, of who Jesus is and what he's done in your life, that you could be saved for two minutes, and you are qualified to be a minister. You you can turn around to the person sitting next to you, you just got saved two minutes ago, and you can turn around and say, man, I'm new. I feel forgiveness. I feel this weight off of me. I feel peace in my heart. You can turn around and be a minister to someone else. What an amazing way that God works. In 2019, I'm going to encourage us, as the word is everyone, let's remember that every one of us is called and qualified to be a minister. There there is something of value that we have from being here, something that God has placed in our lives. Who can we bring along with us? Who can we share that with and minister to that needs to know it? Uh, a couple other things that I want to tell you. That's a mindset that we need to change. We need to realize we're all ministers. And some things that we can actually do that everyone means to New Life Fellowship this year, the first thing is everyone can give. 
And I'm not going to talk a lot about money this week because we're going to start a series next week called Making Change. And we're going to talk about managing our relationship with money in 2019. Uh, That's going to be an exciting thing. Invite all your friends who think that all that ever happens in church is they talk about money. (laughs) Come on. Does anybody know anybody like that or is it just me? You you have friends that say, oh, all they ever talk about in church is money. Well, you know what? That means God's working on them about that. So next week is a great week to invite them and say, hey, come with me to church. Guess what we're going to talk about this week? (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. We've actually had people over the years, they show up in January when we're talking about money and they they have that mindset and they walk in the room and I stand up and say, hey, we're talking about money this week. And they, yeah. God loves them and he's working in their hearts and he wants them to hear. Uh, But everyone can give. If you read through Acts chapter 2, one of the things that the, the early church did is it said selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Come on, the early church ate together, they took communion, they went to each other's houses, they saw supernatural miracles. But one of the main things that the early church was marked by was their generosity, their willingness to give, to be free with what Jesus had given them to spread the gospel to other people, to give to places that mattered. That was part of who the church was and what they did. Come on, you'd think, sometimes you think your gift doesn't matter. And Jesus took his disciples and pointed at this little widow lady that was just dropping these two little coins in the offering and said, man, look at her gift. It makes a difference when we give. So I'm encouraging you and come come for the rest of the series in January as we talk about giving. Uh, You'll be blessed and encouraged, but generosity should be a mark of a New Testament church. And every one of us can choose to be a giver in 2019. And I'm not... Yes... I would love you to give corporately. Give tithes and offerings. If you've, if you've never even tithed, take a step of faith this year and try it. But I believe we're also being encouraged to give to others. There, there may be somebody that you notice. Man, I wonder how their family's doing. I bet they could really use some help. If you're noticing that, you know who God wants to do something about it? <laughs> somebody oughta. If you notice somebody in need... Please don't call Tammy in the church office and say, hey, this person's really in need. They could use some help. If you're noticing it, it's because God put it on your heart to do something about it. Every one of us can give. All right. Thank you for that commercial, Pastor Chris. Uh, the, The other thing I believe that we can do is everyone can serve. This means doing something with other people from New Life that represents who we are. Being in the community, helping people get clothes and get food, helping people hear the gospel, whatever it is that we do as a church corporately, you can serve and be a part of that. 2019 is a year for us to get involved. That's, that's part of what the call of everyone means this year, is what can I do with what God has given me? And uh, just like people disqualify themselves from ministry because we think we're not good enough or we haven't done enough, I find that people think they don't have gifts. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't think you have a gift, you need to repent and change your mind and come into agreement with what he says in the word. I got two amens on that, and the rest of you are just thinking about it. Here's, Here's a verse for you then. And please, don't think you have nothing to offer or that your gift is insignificant. This is what it says in Ephesians 4.16. Paul's talking about the the body of Christ being formed in the image of Jesus and us being knitted together. And he says this, every member, everybody say everyone again with me. 
That means all of us. Every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. That verse says that we've all been given gifts. And if you think your gift is insignificant, you need to read that verse with me where it says the gift you've been given is divine. That means it has value because God has value in everything that he does he calls good. So when he gives us a gift, we need to stop saying, oh, it's so insignificant, I can't do anything with it. Nobody could ever use what I bring to the table. We need to stop that. Because scripture says that God has given each of us divine gifts to minister to everyone. And I I love (laughs) some places we teach about, and I don't think this is wrong, How many of you have ever heard somebody tell you there is benefit for you for serving? How many of you have ever heard me tell you that? (laughs) Striking a little close to home on that one. You know, that really is true. There there is benefit to us to serve, to, to lay down our lives, to let Jesus work something in our character and to serve. But really, serving is one of the most unselfish things we can do because Scripture says the benefits start with we. We are built up. Yeah, there, there may be some benefit that you feel in your life for serving, but the reason we should do it is for we. Because when we use our gifts, the body is built up. We're able to function better. We're able to accomplish the things that Jesus has called us to do. We're able to move and to do things that we couldn't do just by ourselves. We've each been given gifts that we need to use. That is the great benefit to serving because it's all about everyone. I saw, I saw this quote this week from Edmund Burke. He said, Nobody made a greater mistake than he who did nothing because he could only do a little. And that really ties into, we can't think our gift is insignificant. If we sit on it because we think, oh, all I have is this little bit, we miss the opportunity for God to do something miraculous. We sit on it because we think, all I've got are a couple loaves and fish. What could Jesus ever do with that? Come on. We've all heard that somewhere in a sermon before. The little that we have to offer becomes much in God's hands. We can't think our gifts are insignificant. So in 2019, do something. Everyone has a place to be involved, a place to serve. Uh, The last thing I wanted to talk about today, and, and this would be a takeaway that we can make very practical this week. Everyone can pray. Everybody say that with me. Everyone can pray. There, this may be last on the list, but this is probably one of the most vital things to everything that we do. Everyone can pray. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to talk, be as long-winded as I am sometimes. You don't have to have the right words to say all the time. Every one of us can pray because prayer really is just communicating what's in our heart to God. You, you can sit down just like you're having a conversation with the person next to you. you know, that's what Jesus wants you to do with him. Every one of us can pray. In Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, it says, Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. I don't have it on the screen, but that verse goes on to say, tell him every little detail of your life. I don't know about you, but I live with a few people that don't care to hear every little detail of my life. (laughs) Come on, that's just the way we are as humans. Come on, just get to the point. Anybody ever say that in a conversation? 
with your spouse, with your kids, with your daughter. We, our eyes glaze over while they're telling us their story, and they're so invested in thinking it's so important, and we're just like, yeah, to get to the point. There's not a lot of relationships in our lives that want to hear every little detail. But we have a Father in heaven. We have a Savior who's sitting there just waiting. Oh, tell me about your day. I don't care how long it takes. You can, you can tell me how long you brushed your teeth this morning, and I'm on the edge of my seat listening. He wants us to be that invested in praying and sharing with him what's going on in our lives. If you're frazzled and worried, just start to pray. Isn't that an amazing deal? I I know scripture says a couple times, don't be anxious, don't worry about anything. But I guarantee we could go around this room this morning and have a hundred different things that we've worried about this week. And what scripture commands us to do is the moment we're frazzled and worried, we need to turn that into prayer. Not turn it into complaining. Not turn it into worrying with our spouse or somebody else, but turn it into prayer and saying, Lord, this is what's going on in my life, and I need your presence right now. It actually goes on in in verse 7 in Philippians there. It says, God's wonderful peace that goes beyond human understanding will come and fill your heart and mind. Isn't that a deal? I can take everything that I'm worried and frazzled about, and as simple as an act is starting to pray, I give it to him, and he overwhelms me with his peace. That, that is the peace that goes beyond understanding because the world looks at our lives and says, I'm worried about this, you should be too. And they don't understand how we can have supernatural peace in our lives that goes beyond what they can understand. And it, you can pray anywhere at any time. You don't have to wait for Sunday morning. You don't have to come up to the altar. You don't have to call five people on the phone and say, pray. You, you can pray anywhere at any time. And this promise in scripture will happen in your life. The peace of God will come and fill your heart. Now, everyone at New Life Fellowship, because that's the word for this year, everyone is going to spend some time every day in January praying for our church. How do I know that? Because I'm asking you right now. And uh, if I could have the ushers help me, uh, I have something that I'm going to ask you guys to take home this week. And this is, gonna, this is what we're going to pray for specifically in January. Uh, if, if you don't like paper, I will post this online later. Because <laughs> I know I, I have some younger people in the room that uh, you would think paper was like a disease or something. You're like, what are you handing me right now? Is it, I need it on my phone or on a screen. Well, just to give you something to hold in your hand is an action point for us to go this week. I wrote it on paper. And it's got some things each day of the week that I would like us, and and I'm not going to tell you how long to pray for the church every day. If you already pray for an hour for New Life Fellowship every day, thank you. I I would hesitate to do a survey on that in the room right now. I don't care necessarily how long it is, but just take some time every day. If, if it's only like two minutes because you just read through this paragraph and say, Lord, this is what I'm praying for today, that would be awesome. All right, I'm looking. Everybody, it looks like everybody in the room has one. So, so you can stop reading it for the moment and direct your attention back up to me because I know how this goes. Imagine with me I've still got like 80% of the people looking at me. (laughs) 
All right, thanks. Can we give our ushers a hand? They're so awesome. Always on the spot, on the job. So imagine with me what could happen in the life of our church family if everybody in this room just spent some time every day this January praying for our church in agreement, praying about the same things, declaring in unity what we would like to see God do at New Life Fellowship. I don't, I don't have an, an end picture in mind for what that would look like other than I know it would be awesome because God comes in response to the prayers of his people and he does things that we could never do in our own strength. And so I just encourage you, as, as you go through this January, spend time with us, everyone, together, praying for our church family. Man. And come on, that's still not, it's not law. I'm not going to have the prayer police at your house asking you every day, did you do your time today? But I just think there's something powerful when we pray together. And I'm excited and, and anticipating to see something happen this January as we pray. And I, one last thought I had, if there are things on here that you find yourself most drawn to when you're in your prayer time, that could be God speaking to you about what you need to get involved with this year. Man, if, if something, if every day when you're praying for the church, if something just stirs in you like, man, I really want junior and senior high and young adult people to, to find their calling and to know their faith. If you feel yourself drawn to that in prayer every day, come talk to me. There's a place for you. If you, if you say, man, oh, I love seeing Dave open that door every Sunday and people feeling welcome, do you know that could be what God's drawing you to to get involved in this year? Just to be a welcoming face, be a part of the hospitality team. Come on, every <laughs> the early church, the apostles knew we need a hospitality team. Come on, they, they, were, they were serving meals to the widows and the orphans and they realized, man, we don't have enough hands to, to share the gospel everywhere like we want to. We need people to wait tables. That is a vital part in the kingdom of God. Making people feel welcomed. Let's go ahead and stand together. I want to pray before we go. Hmm. I just know that part of praying for the church, the church is not some nebulous entity out there. The church is us in this room right here, right now. And as, as we pray for the church, we're actually praying for each other. We're praying for what God wants to do in this place, in our family. So before we go and, and spend our week praying for the church, I'd just like you to go ahead and put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. And we just want to pray a blessing over each other before we go. I'm, I'm going to pray up here, but while, while you got your hand on their shoulder, just believe that you're releasing a New Year's blessing over them, that you're praying for them to prosper in all the things that they do. God, we come before you right now. We thank you that you are actively building your church. 
And that it's not a building, it's not just some organization somewhere, it is people, it is lively stones joined together by your power. And Lord, as we lay hands on one another right now, we believe that you are going to be active in our lives this year, that you are going to be moving in every one of us. Lord, knit our hearts together. Lord, stir us with the vision of what you want to do in our households, in our communities, in our church family, Lord God. Stir us once again with what you've done in our lives. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the new covenant that we celebrated this morning. Not, not a covenant made out of rules and regulations, but a covenant that gives us life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for moving in each one of our hearts and lives this year. Stir our heart with what everyone can make possible this year, what we have to bring to the table, Lord. We bless each other. <laughs> We thank you for your great love in our lives. Lord, let your goodness be seen in us everywhere that we go so that you would get glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.